Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Natural comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Join me today. We got Birdie. I still exist. And we got Nico. I am here. And we got Marvels, baby. Yes, we're doing Marvels. You, you better clarify that because some people might not know what you mean when you just say we've got Marvels. That means like Marvel Comics. Is it? Like yes, Marvel's we have words. Marvels, the comic book published by Marvel Comics, written by Kurt Busiek and drawn by Alex Ross. Yeah, which I'm very surprised I've never read till now. It was always one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it. They uh, had never have. Yeah, there was a collected edition of this in my in my high school's library. Right. Yeah, my high school had it was the first time that I'd been to a library that had comic books. Because they just had a collection of just hey here's here's a single shelving unit, like not even like a not even like one of those like library shelving units, just like one you would find in the bedroom. Here is a three shelf shelving unit full of comics. The bottom shelf had manga, but the other two shelves were comics. Right, and then it was the Runaways, Watchmen, Bone, and Marvels. Mm-hmm. Well, well, to your point, I mean, I I think that speaks to the fact that. There's been so many different printings of this book and Marvel Comics compared to DC. One thing we've talked about on the show quite a bit in the past has been that Marvel doesn't really have as many evergreen titles as DC has. I find like a lot of like things you can point to and like like they have a lot of great runs by certain writers on characters, of course, but uh, nice collections, but not really like smaller stories that you can point to and be like, hey, this is you can just pick this up. This is a great story. Check it out. So that that's why it's always been one of those ones I've wanted to read but never got around to it re- and, until recently like I, I like I mentioned to you guys I, I picked up the most recent printing of this they came out with like the 25th anniversary hardcover um, so just to say you know how long it is and I think it came uh, how long ago this came out that was uh, last year this came out and uh, yeah never never read it till now yeah so so yeah, yeah we're gonna take a look at this as per our regular format I'll be taking a look at the zero issue issues one through four and then brief mention of the epilogue as well as the one time I'll be bringing up the sequel to this because it was done by Alex Ross. So who cares about it? Yeah. Marvels. Did he do this or kingdom come first? Oof. Um, I, think, I think, I think kingdom come was first. I believe I would assume so. But kingdom come was 96. This was 94. Oh, wow. So Marvels was first. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, how about that? Wow. I mean that what a what a it's pretty impressive that he went from this to Kingdom Come and that's I mean that's another really good story. I, I like that one a lot, Kingdom yeah. Come, but uh uh yeah, that must have taken them a long time to draw those two books. Oh <laughs> fucking think. yeah. Sorry, paint paint those two books, I should say, like cause these are like, you know, yeah, full-on paintings, a lot of his stuff, right? So Yeah, it's, there's it's, a reason that you don't see a whole lot of Alex Ross interior work. Yeah, I mean, he's he's mostly known as a cover artist, absolutely. Which, if you look at his art style, it makes sense. It's, yeah. Yeah, like, even within... It's the, a very beautiful art style, but it's also not an art style that's necessarily conducive to, like, motion. Yeah. Yes. Or, or dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes really great, like... Makes really great covers, really really great prints, but like even like looking over this, even like re looking over this book for like this recording, 
there is a stark difference between the covers and the interiors. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I would uh, I would even say uh, I as a comic reader, like getting back into comics, I guess even over ten years ago now, when I first came across Alex Ross's work, I wasn't, to be honest, quite uh, that big of a fan. Just I did I learned to appreciate it over time because, like to uh, Birdie's point, like it kind of loses some of that. Um, you know the movement and stuff within the uh, the actual art style it's only kind of it only it lends itself to i think appropriate stories like this and like kingdom come and like things like that right yeah but, things uh, that kind of require a bit more grandioseness from the artwork absolutely absolutely yeah and also uh, uh this is more true in, i think this is more true in kingdom come and marvels books that are more about like snapshots in this case, literally snapshots, but like it all, most of the art in Kingdom Come feels like snapshots of images, not like you're supposed to see the motion. Yeah. So, because of that, this art feels appropriate. It's just that if you ever wanted to see Kingdom Come in motion, which I will say, DC for love of God, don't try to put Kingdom Come in motion. Don't. In <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like DC animated has, has had a good track record. You will fuck that up. <laughs> Just holy shit. But when it's but when it's actual like snapshots, like in this case, because it's from the perspective of a photographer, it works. It's just it's it's a limiter on his art style. That means it doesn't have a whole lot of uses outside of this specific purpose. Yeah. And he's able to capture a lot of expression in in his faces as much as the, there's like, like I said, he loses something in the movement. But I think whenever he has a still shot of certain moments um, in this uh, comic, I, I thought the, ex- the expressions on a lot of the characters were were, were oh, yeah, done no, really I mean, well. It's great. I, I, I mean, I, I, I love his art now, but like, not just because of this book, but I did learn to appreciate. It. I think he's he's great. I, yeah, uh, I said yeah. the same thing when I read. Um... What was that book he did for DC? That's not Kingdom Come Justice, I yeah. think, which was like a series of like one-offs featuring different DC characters. But yeah. that I think had a lot of the same effective impact, and it showed a lot of expression and good uh, grasp of uh, painting a portrait for the audience. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's it's only for static images. I, I'm trying to imagine Alex Ross in motion, and it's. It, it feels like would be like paper cutouts trying to punch each other. <laughs> well, I mean, interestingly, the animation was pretty good. Not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Anyway, let's fucking talk about this goddamn comic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so starting with issue zero, which is the only issue Boring like it story. in the entire series. Well, yeah, because it's the it it's not from the perspective of the narrator of the rest of the book, and it almost it serves no purpose except to be an origin story for the robot human torch from the golden age. Yeah, it's all it's all just like told from like uh, from the human torch's point of view as he's being built by his dad. Yeah, as as then the world is like, oh god, he's a man on fire. Fuck that thing. And then he gets out, and woo, the story happens. 
Yeah, and 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 it's a bit a bit about like just the uh, uh, amazement of of the people and the disbelievers at that time because this is the first time they had come across a a, a, a you know a, I guess a superhero of sorts or seen something this crazy yes. so much so that they thought they thought it was um, fake right what they were seeing in front of them and uh, and, and yeah it's absolutely it's it's one of the earliest Marvel. Uh, like Toro, I think, right from like the invaders and stuff. Like that's this hor- Human Torch, isn't it? Isn't that his name? Or uh, no, his name's Phil. Is it Phil? This, this this Human Torch. Yep, Phil Hammond. Oh, Phil Hammond, right? Yeah, no, yeah. He's called, he is called the Torch. Once it's revealed what his powers are, but he he's he's his creator called him Phil Hammond. All right. Okay. So he's the daddy the, called uh, Phil. I'm gonna call him Phil. He's like the one that's in the, in the invaders and everything else, like the early yeah, Marvel comics days, days yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was yeah. he was from the timely days. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, so that first issue is the that's the, that zero issue is just him, just kind of explaining how he is. But it's all done like panel wise. They like panels kind of like bleed into each other for for a lot of it. It's not like structured panels for a good chunk of it, and all the dialogue is just. Like third person narration, but not even like in boxes, just like free floating wherever it fucking goes. Not structured like a traditional comic. And uh, okay, no, sorry to interrupt. I, I I got thrown off because Toro is uh, his uh, his partner, the original Human Torch. That's what I that's what I got it mixed up with. Oh, yeah. uh, Jim Jim Hammond. Yeah, so Toro was uh, was another like Human Torch type character. Sorry, uh, during uh, Timely Comics. Uh, so that's, that's who I had mixed them up with. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. So anyway, oh yeah, that's basically the zero issue. Just, Hey, here's human torch. No, his dad does gave a lot of cool stuff with color. Yeah. His dad gave him some beats and buried him in the ground. And then he played the encyclopedia Britannica form and he burst out of there knowing how to speak English. Yeah. Huzzah. I just had to learn. Uh, oh, wait, fire burns things. <laughs> Wait a minute. Fire bad? <laughs> uh, and then we move into the book proper. It is 1939, and that is the only time they will tell you what time it is. Yeah. Yeah. This book goes from, apparently this book goes from 1939 to 1974. I mean, I not only know that because of the times that they mention, of like the specific events they mention. Yeah, I'm trash I mean, with like history, first, so I know because of Wikipedia. The, like the first story is a golden age story leading up to world the World War II stuff, so that's the 30s and 40s. The second one is sort of like the start of the Silver Age, so that's the early 60s. The third one is probably goes into the 70s, but is mostly like the late 60s when things are getting kind of psychedelic and weird. Mm-hmm. And then the, the fourth one is the mid 70s because, you know, they had to focus on the death of Gwen Stacy. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah, I mean, you could also look at look the, at the it. The world's most, uh, it, it is comic industry's most prolific fridging. Right. You could, you could also look at it through some of the, like, actual um, real-life occurrences that are kind of somewhat referenced, uh, you know, in, in the comic as well. Just, you know, with the Cold War stuff, and then it also has, like, some of the... Well, sure, race, ri- like, race riot stuff and, and the they're, they're 60s, you- 
the early 60s was where people were becoming aware of like the dangers of racism. That's the start of the civil rights movement. Yeah. By the end of the 60s, everyone was just kind of cynical and burnt out and angry at stuff. And then in the 70s, it was just full on no one gives a shit anymore because we hadn't gotten to the 80s where we had to start pretending that capitalism was fun. <laughs> To, to his credit, I think Kurt Busiek handle, handled um, trying to have things like that relate to the like, Marvel Universe pretty well. Like, I thought he juggled oh, the sure. two. It, it was very subtle in a way where you're like, okay, yeah, yeah like, I get it, what he's doing here, but not, yeah. like, hitting you over the head with it. You're like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I thought he I thought he handled it very, very no, well. He, he handled the intersecting of the two things very well. It's just... Yeah. Uh, I have talked about this with y'all before after I finished reading it. Marvel keeps trying to convince me that the X-Men are not the bad guys. And then they keep <laughs> doing things to show that they are the bad guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. The second right. I got to the second I got to that point in the story <laughs> where I will get there. Uh, my first thought was, didn't Wolverine murder a child? <laughs> to, to, to your point though, I think, I think he, ha- he, um, he involved them, uh, just a little bit like it was i'm glad they didn't spend a whole lot of time on the x-men because to be fair at this point in time the x-men weren't as big as these other yeah exactly until claremont Claremont. yeah absolutely so that i noticed that right away because even when they started getting into it i'm like okay good they 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 recognized them they used it to you know relate to like the race riot stuff that was going on and like the way people looked at them and stuff like that and then you moved on like that's what i mean because i I didn't think there had needed to be that much on the x-men in this because like you guys said they were pretty shit at this time and not as important as all these other characters right so but also like for this story we like the reason that we're interacting with all these other characters as much as we are is because of how they affect our protagonist, Phil Hammond. Sorry, Phil Sheldon. Right. Right. Our boy. Our big fucking dreamy boy who wants to go to Europe to go fucking take pictures of the war, you see? But in the meantime, he's got to take pictures of the Human Torch. No, didn't he actually specifically say, I don't want to go to the war. I want to see the superhumans fight. That this, fight. No, this was before the, this is before the superhumans existed at all. Like right at the very oh, beginning of the story, okay, yeah. he is, I'm a go to fucking Europe. I'm gonna get my goddamn name in lights. Y'all gonna fucking know the name Phil Sheldon. And then he walked into the goddamn, uh, like the- theater or whatever, thinking about Europe the entire time. And then a man caught on fire and he's like, Oh fuck, I need to pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which fair. Yeah, yeah he, he kind of decided here and there. He was like, "This is going to be my life's work." Essentially, is to you know to fig- to know more about these these people and 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 you know research it and and yeah, report on it, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah. yeah, it was like after after like the Human Torch kind of came out and was being very much a thing. Then Namor showed up, and mm-hmm. everyone, everyone was like, "Put on some Marvel's fucking pants, you weirdo." like like namor had to me has always been a bigger dick bag than almost anyone even possibly bigger than reed richards except he doesn't involve himself with earth as much as reed richards does so oh yeah namor is a fucking namor is a prick namor is one of the biggest (laughs) assholes in comic books absolutely and, and i mean even here they capture that because it's not once not twice but there's i think there's like three times they reference that he attacked the, the earth <laughs> because because it, yeah. it's true it can it, it, it does keep happening in the comics back then like he was a straight up bad guy for back then yeah yes, well, still. still 
Atlantis attacks. Even now, I think they just have a thing that's going on. That was one of the things that was going on, I think, in that uh, horrid uh, Avengers run of Jason Aaron was that he's once again attacking with Atlantis. Absolutely. <laughs> so there's been, there's been so many times that he's done it. So I, I enjoyed that yeah. he kept getting brought up in that context throughout this because I'm like, yeah, it's true. He's he's a, he's an asshole and he'll take any opportunity to like, you know, uh, fight the uh, humans, it yeah. seems like. <laughs> of, every, of every character in Marvel, even the ones who actually are wrestlers, Namor is the most wrestler of any of them. Right. Just he keeps like he's basically the big show. Just keeps switching between heel and face every issue. <laughs> yeah, good. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just shows up. It's like, all right, flip a coin. What's it going to be today? Bad guy. Okay. Everyone hold your breath. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, but that's the thing. I never buy the times he's a hero anymore because I just know. Right. Yeah, because you the know, the, you know, the fucking seems- second like I got like, oh, hey, it's like, hey, what did that fish say? All right, we're invading. <laughs> or fuck it he'll get it he'll get irres- he'll get irresponsibly horny for fucking sue storm on main again uh, and then yeah. that'll turn into a thing right yeah and then when reed Ri- and then when reed richards does whatever like horribly unethical thing he's going to do next he'll be justified because someone's coming for his woman yeah although that does bring me back to marvels because i don't know if y'all noticed the bit where they were talking about uh, the engagement of Sue Storm and Reed Richards yeah. and all these catty people are talking about. <laughs> He's doing such terribly uncouth things with the Mariner. Yes. Yeah. But, and I'm just thinking back in my head, yeah, sure, of the two of them, she's the one who's morally reprehensible. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was wow. the fucking 50s. Oh, look, Reed's always got the in the name of science thing to protect us. <laughs> yeah. Until Earth is gone again because he wanted to science. <laughs> well, if Earth is gone, then no one can complain to him. No, complain to him about his shit being morally reprehensible. If everyone's this is why I buy yeah. the evil Reed Richards so yeah. much more. If everyone's dead, no one can complain. It's brilliant. <laughs> But yeah, so after Namor shows up and things start heating up, Tish, with him and the Human Torch, that's kind of when Phil really begins doubling down on, hey, this is the story of the future. I need to fucking get on the ground level of this. So much yeah, so that he even yeah. fucking coins a term for him, which ends up, I guess, becoming a thing. Or yeah. at least it becomes a thing for him. Yeah, and, his, and his there's book. an implication that like the book we're reading is the book Phil Sheldon made that he's selling in the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but it's still, it's still great. Completely, but yeah, but it's still just great. Like a like just hearing Phil like, in his internal monologue, just referring to them as Marvels, like that's the accepted term, and then only one other person. I think fucking was it Jonah? No, no, I think it was the other publisher that Phil's because Phil. Unlike Peter Parker, Phil actually is freelance. Yeah, he works for fucking whoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that. There's that chubbier fellow that he continues to meet with. That's the one that wants to do all like that. He was the one that first gave him his gig to actually write his his first. Um, right. Yeah. Call, yeah. That guy. But yeah. Like, like he, hearing him, that. hearing him go like, yeah, it's a story about those marvels you keep going on about, and here and like seeing the air quotes around it. Right. Yeah, because just Jonah was working with him like before he even had the paper. Like they show Jonah really young here when they're just kind of he's he he, uh, before he actually ran the uh, bugle, right? And then all of a sudden he's working for him. 
uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question for you guys, though. This, this, as far as you guys know, this was a character that he created for this book, right? Like he never existed. Yeah, no, yeah Phil Sheldon is a new it. character for Marvels. Great, great character. Uh, first off, Kurt Busiek, you know, props to him for actually creating a yeah. new character because he could have easily, easily used. And and that's why when he showed up, I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Ben Urich for this. Like he could have yeah, easily I, just made this a Ben Urich character. Like he could have been this character in this book. For yeah, Marvels, not, right? not, yeah, not going to lie. In the time I hadn't read this, I've, I rewrote it in my head so that it actually was Phil, like Ben Urich doing this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's intentional, making it a new character, because up until the last issue, there's an implication that Phil is not supposed to be personally connected to any of this in any way. Mm-hmm. And having it be Ben Yurik then would tie him too much to specific Marvel characters in a way that's too specific to stuff that's happened previously in the comics. So yeah. Phil Sheldon's supposed to be someone that's part of the Marvel Universe, but's not intimately connected with any part of it. Except for J. Jonah Jameson, which is more like a I know this shit bag from the old days. Yeah, they're in the right. same business, so it would make so it would make less sense for him to not know Jonah. And and I like the era that it takes place in too, because this is back when like reporters and stuff actually were like you know what I mean these this was an important yeah like, it was, you know what I mean? you know, back, yeah back when news reporters were not right. were not um, corporate mouthpieces yes right. Like, you know, that, yeah, but yeah, somebody's just writing a, a blog, you know what I mean? Like, it, like yeah, this just, is like these guys had to hit the pavement and get and get that news scoop. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, it was five. Du- it was five dudes sharing a car to a crime scene before they started punching each other, trying to get the best shots. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, this first issue is largely just dealing with Phil, like running around with his buddies, trying to fucking get pictures of Namor versus Human Torch. Yeah. Yeah. The ending is, to, is what counts. Then they get to Cap and like the Nazi stuff. Yeah. And then after all the Nazi stuff, Namor is back to being a dickbag. You know, his first, his first second, his, his second heel turn. Yes. But, uh, He's after the belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then this yeah. entire time, um, this entire time, Phil is also courting his soon to be wife, Doris. Yeah. I, Okay. The one part of that issue I didn't like was, I'm sorry, Doris, I can't be with you. I have to take the pictures. And he's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. wait, I need the pictures. What the fuck am I thinking? Well, wait, what the fuck am I thinking? I, I can marry the wife and have the pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait a minute. I'm a dumbass. I, I, I mean, this is at after, least. This is after getting a brick in the eye from the fucking human torch getting yeeted into a wall. Which I thought was a really nice touch. I liked how he did this whole thing where now he has to take the picture with just with the one eye. Like I, I thought that was like a nice little uh, story beat that Kurt Busa came up with for, for this character. I, I liked that part of it. Um, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Why? Like I just thought it was a, a really interesting thing. I don't think I've ever seen done in in a comic like he's a photographer he can only use the one eye now i don't know i just i I liked it no all that's fine yeah i guess i I guess like it's just the the only part that's annoying to me is the stuff with like we're apparently briefly supposed to be invested in the fact that he left his his the love of his life to take the pictures Mm -hmm. and by the end of the same issue he's like wait what the fuck am i doing this is stupid (laughs) yeah this is the dumbest thing ever let me fucking we're we're gonna get married i got a sick-ass eye patch now and guess what i'm going to europe (laughs) 
<laughs> but 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 that is a recurring theme. Like throughout this, he realizes that his family is what matters. But he's so enthralled by these like these crazy superhumans that he like you know what I mean. Like he he keeps getting pulled in all these different directions by his fascination of these. Uh, yeah, these but people, I would argue right? like, it's not it's not just that his that his family's important, right? It's that um, his family is important, but he as a person feels fulfilled covering this in a way that he feels mm-hmm. is important. So yeah. those are both halves of him. And he kind of, by the end of this, for, I would argue, kind of stupid reasons, but um, abandons the half of him that is more himself and focuses entirely on his family. Mm-hmm. Which is a, it's just a character arc. It's just not the a great mechanics one. that lead to that character arc don't work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so yeah. yeah, issue one ends with him in Europe as a gaggle of superheroes led by a tiny child with a Thompson strapped to the side of a really barrel-chested looking man. Is that artwork on fucking Bucky oh. tied to cap? That's an awesome two-page spread, though. Oh, it's it's a fucking like- great two-page oh. spread. Like. <laughs> Like, like, like you, like you kind of like to your point, Bertie, where you're saying like his stuff doesn't work great in motion. Like this is kind of a counterpoint to that. I feel just because like I get what you were saying because like having like the panel to panel motion of just like hey, a person walking across a room or whatever that doesn't super work. But like shit like this, where again, it's, just a, it's like a snapshot from like a, it's like a screenshot from a movie or some shit. This looks fucking great. Yeah, yeah, no, well, absolutely. Was, I mean, I made that point as well. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah like, like I said, to your point, brilliant static painting. He just can't draw it in motion is all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do love Bucky as the uh, cap pack. Yeah. I'm here, cap. Yeah. Let's go, dude. Well, yeah, because it, it it looks like he's the one shooting the gun, but essentially he's shooting Bucky who's shooting the gun. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like throwing Bucky forward, it seems yeah. like. Who's no, he's, no, he's like holding he's like holding <laughs> Bucky. Bucky. He's like holding Bucky and then like then like squeezes Bucky's side in that place that makes him really ticklish with cops him to fire the gun. No. <laughs> Just cap, stop it. Bullets, he, and once then once the bullets are once he's out of bullets, Cap does the first fastball special and launches Bucky at the Nazis. And, <laughs> and he's, like, he's like Bucky knife. <laughs> Yeah, then Bucky just like goes completely like ramrod stiff. It's like, no, I meant pull out your knife. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. With issue two, it's been a few years and Marvel's the heroes are now becoming a, an hour, just a regular thing happening throughout New York. Yeah. People still like uh, Hank Pym. That doesn't last long. Not long. Yeah, and so we see like a like a quick snapshot of just like a bunch of different shit happening throughout the city, like some weird radioactive baby gassing people. That's supposed to be the radioactive man. A radioactive baby gassing people. I know, but you're you're not wrong. I'm just saying it's supposed to be radioactive man. <laughs> yeah, like fucking Thor hitting the Black Knight, which I thought the Black Knight was a hero, but apparently not right. <laughs> yeah, and apparently hitting him in such a way that. It, Based on the look of it, it looks like he hit him in such a way that his gun ricocheted out of his hand and broke itself off of his helmet. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> small little thing, well, but whatever. Also, it also looks like a bullet. Oh no, that's that's just the stirrup. Uh, for a second, it looked like a bullet ricocheted off of uh, Thor's crotch, but I, that's a yeah. Well, that's what the little two metal things there are for. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's, it's the very specific placement to keep his to keep his ad guardian dick in place. Get everyone finding out his one weakness. <laughs> yep, and then giant, you know. yep, and then giant man teabagging the city. As we see a reflection of his crotch in, in Phil's glasses. I, I, I like that the classic shot he got, yeah, is up crotch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> giant man, yeah, I was just like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, giant man, well, uh, Hank Pym could look back here and be like, yeah, he got my dick. Yeah, but, yeah, like, unless you're on a building, then there is no shot of giant man that isn't upskirt. If you if you read the captions underneath, uh, like uh, after he um, the board balloons after he takes the shot too, his buddy's like maybe even a magazine cover down the line. He's like maybe more than that if I'm lucky. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Find out why they call him Giant Man. <laughs> starts, he starts working for Sleezo. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, from there he goes to sell that. From there he goes to publisher to try to sell that book, which ends up getting a very good push from the Fantastic Four. At that time, just kind of serendipitously, publisher's like, "I don't know if these Marvels are going to sell as much books as you think they're gonna." And then all of a sudden, a man on fire lights a giant four in the sky. Well, fuck me, you hired. It's. Ah, it's timing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, mutants. What happens with mutants? People get mad because they get mad at mutants for the wrong reasons. Because, like, I've, I feel like I've talked about this with you guys before. But, like, even, like Birdie said, mutants are a threat. But they're not, like, an existential threat. Like everyone seems to think they are like everyone's fucking like every fucking screen with them is like, they need to replace us. We got to show them who the real humans is. Fuck them. And not like, Hey, that teenager shoots lasers out of his dick when he's angry. The the comics always contextualize the X-Men's threat as like, because they are X-Men, they are a threat. Not, uh, well, the X-Men do all this shit. That's super dangerous and destructive. And, potentially threatening to lots of people and so that's why they're a threat yeah like mutants in particular well the only one who i'd say is an existential threat is charles xavier because yeah that man's a nightmare that everything about everything about him is a threat to the existence of the planet yes that man is a problem who needs to be dealt with and like mutants as a whole nothing against them personally they just need to be Kept, we need we need to be kept safe from them because they, meanies who are not, are a threat. Yeah, and it's not like we we all, all three of us have X Men characters we love. It's just the existence of the X Men. I don't know what it, like they just. If well, you it's take the fact that like they're not that they're quote unquote not human out of the picture. Then they are a super-powered team led by a cult-like leader with dreams of a ideal that are, quite frankly, ludicrous and do things, like, in space, in other countries, and within the halls of government that would label them, even by vigilante standards, as horribly awful. So. Yeah, like, super, like superpowers as, in and of themselves are a threat, but the reason that it's more prominent with, like, mutants and the X-Men is because they're born with their powers. 
And given everything that's stated in the comics, those powers are most likely to unlock when they're teenagers. And teenagers, at the most emotionally vulnerable moments of their entire fucking lives, when the parts of their brain that determine right from wrong have not fully developed, being given the power of mini-gods is not a good thing. Yeah. And I I will say that Busiek uses the X-Men well in this, in terms of like how he's using like the Marvel Universe to talk about real stuff because like the like the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, they represent more sort of like the hopeful, bright future of the 60s, whereas the X-Men are used to show that no, there's a lot of shit about humanity that sucks right now. Yeah. And the X-Men are used to represent it. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. which is which works fine as a storytelling thing. It's just that as I was as you as Ted and I keep saying, the the problem is that people keep trying to convince us that the X-Men are not a threat when I've read X-Men stories, even when they're the good guys, they're a threat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not including the good stuff that Nico and I are reading right now on mm. uh, Krakoa, where where they are straight up villains, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest; they're basically straight up villains at this point. Like, <laughs> it's entertaining, and I, you know, I get it. Like that, you know, the whole aspect of them wanting their own utopia or whatever. They've been trying to do that for a long ass time, right? There's oh, even yeah, that utopia. Yeah. This, is like, this, is like their, this is like their fifth utopia. Right. There's even that event I think that was called Utopia. It's <laughs> like, actually yeah. like right. On so the No Show, which was yeah. the, which was previously an island made to destroy mutants, and mm. then became their island until Scott yeah. Summer fucked it up. So, he did so many things. Wasn't wasn't right. Geno- wasn't Genosha also like? I'm I'm, 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 I'm confusing it, but wasn't it also like Asteroid M? Uh, I think Genosha moved to Asteroid M, but those are two separate things. It's like. Genosha was originally like just an island off the coast of Los Angeles. Okay. Kind of like like yeah, it, I, yeah, like, like in my head, I remember like them talking about it, and I thought like it was like it was like there was asteroid M, then a part of it like broke off and then crashed into the ocean, which then formed the island they, they named Genosha. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that, but I guess it's possible. I just again, there's so much stupid shit with the X Men that I don't have trouble. Caring about, yeah, (laughs) but this isn't some of that stupid shit because it's actually really good. And kind of the thing that I noticed with kind of throughout the book uh, is just like how this book is kind of just about how like mob mentality will affect people and how like it specifically affects Phil. Oh, yeah, like they specifically point out like the state of being part of a mob and what that does to people and when they wake up from it, yeah, now and even and. Yes, even people being misunderstood and the, and the, what leads to that and the uh, like a fear mongering as a result that like, you know, what I mean, like that occurs and and like, yeah, like because like, you know, to your point, obviously, that's always been a, a thing with the X-Men. It, it, they're always going to have to play in that sandbox, even right now, essentially, with the new Hickman stuff, as much as, you know, they're trying to move in that stuff into a new direction of sorts. Like, you know, what I mean, like it's still going to be somewhat steeped in that. Like it always has been kind of about that, their yeah. relationship with yeah. the human race right so but yeah but i i think like they've hit they handled that throughout very well because and then and that's what I, I i like that he clearly is getting more and more frustrated as this goes on because he's like what do you want these people to do for you yeah, well because like, he's yeah, yeah, like right. a mob and he starts yeah. thinking about individuals and not the mob mentality of the other right which is what how the x-men are viewed in this 
to the point where when that when the mob mentality is at its worst and all these people are just attacking each other, as far as I can tell, they're not even attacking mutants. They're just attacking for the sake of being afraid and attacking. And mm. he's like, this is stupid and bullshit. Why are we acting like this? Yeah, like 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 at this, this point specifically, like everyone is just screaming at him. Fucking everyone's eating bricks at him and before Phil knows it, he's thrown one too. And it's kind of this like, really great shot of like having these like super powered individuals. Then all of a sudden they disappear in this mob. And then directly behind Phil is just a like display stand of, Hey, here's new clothes and inspired by the Avenger, the wasp. Mm-hmm. And it's like how fucking just like stupid and arbitrary. their like delineations between what powered individuals they're cool with are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like again, I think I, that's why I think Kurt Busiek and, and, and I guess Alex Ross as well. Like they just did such a good, job of of uh conveying a lot of the type of stuff that he's trying to address and the way the world looks at these heroes in this by not even like putting that much on the page like you know what i mean like it's very subtle like is, like the things he does but like it, like one of my favorite moments is the thing like the way they look at the thing at that uh that ball coming up that we're going to talk about the with the fantastic four wedding yeah like how those women they that's like literally the only moment like he shows up in other things but that they they referenced him and just like oh like you know like look at this like at least he's not one of those horrible mutants but look at how like yeah. monstrous he and and like the way he's like looking over his shoulder, just like yeah, standing you know in front that, of a statue of himself. Yeah, yeah. and like the, the pain that you know that he goes through as that character, and like the way yeah. people look and at like the X Men, people have always felt sympathetic to Ben Grimm because right. he has always been a good person and a right. likable person. Yeah, right. and he was born fucking human, unlike those goddamn muties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those those two women that are yeah, like, but, but yeah. like, yeah. But again, like, that's just Except one small moment. Scarlet Witch, because they got up to the Avenger, so you know, diversity high. Yeah, they're some of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just that was just one of my favorite moments, and it's just a small, like it's a panel and a couple of word balloons. And I'm just like, I was like, yes, like yeah, good job. Like if they get that, like that, that you know what he feels like in this panel, like what, 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 you, what that's all you really need to know about that character. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like I was like, that's great how they did that. Anyways, yeah, yeah. And so then, like as the as the entire country is like fucking celebrating, like oh hey fucking Sue Storm and Mister Fantastic, they gonna fuck, they're gonna make some weird babies, and they're gonna be born with powers. But we don't like, we don't hate them because shut up. <laughs> and then meanwhile, that's being contrasted with just more and more just spray painted of just hey, I want to drink mutant blood or some shit. Die bloody, yeah, mutants die bloody. Yeah, just all kinds of shit like that. He's taking more pictures, getting some great upskirts on Stilt Man. <laughs> just, and then, you know, giant angry mob at his neighborhood because, hey, there was a mutant there. But turns out it's in his basement. This is when Phil learns the magic power of empathy. Yeah, when they were literally grabbing their torches. These people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just his fucking neighbor, the bridge club, running down the street with a literal fucking pitchfork. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what I was like is going we saw some here? fucking mutant. I don't know what she does, but she looks fucking freaky. I'm a stabber. And then he's yeah. in her basement. And I actually just noticed this kind of like rereading this now for this. I didn't notice it like fucking like five pages earlier at, a, at like a dinner scene. It showed his kids like sneaking food off and then you you didn't notice that. No, like I, I noticed that I just didn't connect it to the kid has been in their basement for that long. Right, right, right. Uh, like I don't, I don't know. I, I'm an idiot. That's the thing. So, okay. as long as we agree on that. 
yeah, I. It has never been up for debate that I am an idiot. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think that that's uh, a huge thing that you missed. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little moment that they equate to Auschwitz because, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> but no, then, uh, then little Maggie, I believe is her name. Just lives in their basement. Mm-hmm. No, did, didn't she leave? Lives yes. her, yeah, but she, yeah, but she lives in her basement for like a couple months. Yeah, she leaves late later on. Like they, she leaves the note. Yeah, Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would have been. I mean, I would have preferred if they. I mean, I guess it makes more sense thematically that she left because that makes her the like noble, suffering individual, despite the prejudice that she deals with, versus the waspy white people who just suddenly realize oh wait prejudice is a thing yeah <laughs> yeah and then uh, this continues on as just as the sentinels are made yeah because you know the best solution yeah, is a murder bot you know you know what's funny i didn't just realize till now that i thought they didn't spend enough time on the x-men and i was fine with it but this whole second issue is mostly focused on mutants and the x-men but i think it was just i just overlooked it because there were so many other like relatable uh themes to this issue that you didn't really feel like it was all about like like i didn't see an x-men on every panel yeah you know what i mean like so i i i appreciate that because yeah and if, and if the whole thing was yeah. on the x-men i think that would kind of ruin the Absolutely. Yeah, like we Absolutely. said, the X Men are at this point at least a very small part of the Marvel universe. Yeah. So like it's like them not being around forever because like at this time they had they had essentially those five in Charles. Yeah, Wolverine's not around at, right at this point. Like no yeah, like storm. no Storm, yeah. no fucking Nightcrawler. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no Glob Herman, Rogue the best X Men. Yeah, Rogue had to steal all of her. Uh, original character traits from Captain Marvel before she could <laughs> make them her own. Yeah. Also a villain. <laughs> Originally. Yeah. Yeah, but like every like I people get mad at me when I say this that like they point out in the comics that Rogue not only stole Miss Carol Danvers' powers, she stole like parts of her personality and her memory. So mm. it is arguable whether or not everything that's good about Rogue originally she technically stole from another character. People right. get mad at me when I <laughs> <that out>. <laughs> <sighs> Particularly these days when everyone's calling uh, Captain Marvel Carol Manverse. So it's... Wait, what? Yeah, I didn't you know about You've not heard that? that this, no. uh, com- uh, Particularly since like they switched to like the Captain Marvel outfit, everyone's been calling her Carol Manverse. Like she's I, apparently too masculine looking. I have not heard that. No, that's kind of terrible. Uh, one, <laughs> one thing I did, one thing I did find recently was uh, multiple posts on Reddit saying She Hulk is stunning and beautiful when it is the new She Hulk design, which is just the Hulk with a ponytail. Yeah, I, 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 I did post that because I'm trying not to turn myself into a meme with y'all. But uh, yeah, we, <laughs> I expect it from you. Yeah, just, come on, is yeah. the She Hulk. Yeah. Come on, Birdie, say the line. <laughs> it's not as bad as uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers talk, but. <laughs> well, no, no. Come on, Birdie. <laughs> really? Marvel's the She-Hulk, please. 
Uh, all I'm going to say at this point is I can't wait for Jason Aaron's Avengers and for someone else to have access to that character. Please, for the love of God. I, absolutely. Yeah, anyway, Ryan. Hey, like he, he, I'll, I'll say this. Like, hey, Heroes Reborn was a thing everyone loved from Rob Liefeld in the 90s, right? <laughs> so we need to bring that back. <laughs> Yep. Uh, but yeah, so much like the discourse around a comic book character redesign, there was a riot. Everything went bad. This was what we were meant. This is what we were talking about earlier, where it's just someone says the word mutant that everyone starts flipping cars. Mm-hmm. It's like someone won a sporting event. It's also great. It's like as soon as the Sentinels show up and they're just like, hey, get the fuck out of here. The first panel you see <laughs> is just one guy beating another man, just staring up in the sky. Just yeah. what the fuck is that? <laughs> You're interrupting my ass kicking. <laughs> yeah. This guy owes me five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But yeah, so Phil runs home and we get the note of her leaving. Maggie is gone because, you know. She's a better person than y'all. Oh, yep. <laughs> As you move into issue three, which is largely... About, like, the galactic shit, specifically Galactus. Yeah, this is very much like a uh, yeah, 70, like, like, late 60s, early 70s, all Earth is fucked, end of the days mindset with all of the... Mm-hmm. And given the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe by this point, fair. Yeah. Do, <laughs> yeah. That, like, at, at this point, everyone should just be, like, used to it. There's, there's, like, some Rorschach-looking asshole walking down the street saying the end is nigh. Everyone's like, yeah, we know, it's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, this is uh yeah, this is solely based on um the Galactus trilogy like the coming of Galactus, the F- Fantastic 4, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, 48 to 50 issues. Uh uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you know, introduced us to the Silver Surfer and it a classic god level Avengers and Fantastic 4 level threat. Yeah. Still iconic despite what Fantastic 4 Rise of the Silver Surfer tried to turn him into. <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, Ultimate Nullifier, is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. That was a great I moment. Have the, I have the off switch. <laughs> yeah, it was... I was just thinking back to like that... Like, it was Ant-Man and Spider-Man vs. Galactus, and it was like, you would not dare activate that power. You could not possibly hope to wield it. And Spider-Man just like, boop. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, that's... That's Peter's reaction. Just, oh, a button. I'm gonna hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle this shit. I want to go back to Brooklyn. <laughs> but yeah, this is just a lot of good art. Yeah. yeah. A lot of good art. And this, this was the biggest showcase, I think, for him in all these issues. Was, it was this. And I it's think. also the moment where most his uh, his obsession with, this, with the Marvel heroes versus his family comes into conflict, and it takes an apocalyptic feeling of doom for him to realize what he needs to focus more. he needs to find equal focus yeah like, like he's, uh, it starts with him just like like once things actually start like happening for real like you know the sky fucking sets on fire the like the thousands of asteroids throughout the goddamn sky and then his and then dude's like and like at work his boss is like hey phil it's your wife and he's like hey, tell her to fuck off there's things happening here yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> And then he sees the fantastic. And then he sees his marvels lose. He sees them get fucking walloped by by like the one of the dumbest looking gods I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> are those purple pants? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Pick up. It's like, what are you trying to do? Pick up goddamn TV TV signals with that fucking helmet. <laughs> and then he just fucking leaves, just walks home. Yeah, but then I guess he he realizes how very real, like you know the the stakes are at this point so much so that the, yeah, the world almost kind of came to an end and that he, you know, he was ignoring his family. And then he kind of, even at the end where he's like, he's like, you know, they go and have breakfast or lunch or something. And he's, and then he literally goes from there outside into a car to fuck off somewhere else for another assignment. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. And then there's that, like I said, my, one of my favorite scenes is where he like freaks the fuck out at like some bystanders. Cause they're all talking about what happened. And he's like, he's like, what do you need the world to actually end? Like for you guys to like appreciate, like essentially the heroes. Cause everyone's just talking shit. Uh, and the distrust is building, you know, the and the uh, paranoia essentially of of these uh, these these uh, heroes, right? Yeah. Now, granted, one should always mistrust uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, he. Whether it be uh, when Tony Stark is not drunk, I should always be on Tony Stark. Him and Reed Richards. We need a constant round the clock watch. Just someone with a fucking dart gun full of like full of, like kombucha or whatever, like sriracha. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know alcohols. Yeah, like Civil War pointed out that Peter can make a tracker that Sp- that Iron Man can't trace. So Peter should just make a new one that Iron Man isn't aware of. It just leave it there all the time. Yeah, just like create a thing like, and then like attach to that just like a just like a syringe that just injects him with like just grain alcohol every couple minutes. Just keep him constantly sauced, so he no longer thinks about just the <laughs> reprehensible shit he does. Actually, speaking of Peter Parker, we actually get, I believe this issue actually introduces him to us. Yeah, this is the one where uh, Phil is at the Daily Bugle and meets Parker. Well, he's he's complaining to Jameson about the treatment of Spider-Man, and Peter walks in saying, gee, gee golly willikers, Mr. Jameson, this will make, that'll make that Spider-Man look real bad. Yeah, and he's like, there's some unbiased journalism for you. <laughs> That's an odd time for the... For the Dan Man voice, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've been using I've been using my comedy New York voice for every character. <laughs> Figured it was time to change it up. <laughs> anyway, on to issue four, aka the one with Gwen Stacy in it. This one doesn't work for me. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't. Okay, I don't know because at the start of this, prior to I guess getting on the uh, recording here, Bertie, you said you may have had a controversial uh, opinion about the ending. So I don't know if it's about this whole last issue with the Gwen Stacy bit. Uh, but for me, just to, to jump ahead and my feelings of the ending, and maybe this is what you were going to say. I don't. I didn't love the ending. To be honest with you, it kind of just ended, and yeah, he kind of like he, got. Yeah, he, yeah, he just said, "Yeah, the story's it, over." And I mean yeah. the character, not Kurt Busiek. It's, it it it's, it's not that it ends, it just stops. It's the way I've always referred to this kind of ending. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Like, like, it, the, it, like, like the entire story is, hey, here is it's this, is this dude and his fucking relationship with these, with these supers. And then he says, I'm good. Yeah, he gets 
so frustrated by by the end he's like you know what i'm over this and and like just within like a like a like a like a split second of him like throw you know trashing his uh office or whatever and yeah. he was just like you know fuck it uh yeah and then he's just like i'm gonna focus on my family finally okay so there there was a build-up like we've been saying throughout these issues of him getting more and more frustrated so that that's clear and i guess yeah. in a way it's realistic because that's this could be something that could have happened to somebody in real life where he's just like i i, I had enough of this like you know what i mean i'm not dedicating yeah, my also, life to like, this it's just it, frustrating because like it just wasn't the ending i was expecting well, it, and then it just ended like and i was not, like oh it's not a balanced <laughs> ending for him as a character because i would have assumed that like a balance for his character like he would take a step back know that he can't be personally invested in all of this and try to find the good and the bad but he just says nope fuck them all i'm done yeah, yeah. that's it and that's and much like him much like the story itself he just stops and doesn't care anymore yeah like, like and, there's there's a bit like in the middle of this where he like where he gonna say like go on vacation just like hey we need to fucking go and then his wife runs out like, oh, dear, did you see this? This fucking Galactus is back in New York and Reed Richards spoke with our minds. I feel fucking violated by that shit. And then he just like, oh, is this the guy? Pulls it up, just Reed Richards being evicted. <laughs> just kind of playing more into like his growing frustration of the way Pete, the way like society treats the supers. Well, I mean, it's not just the way he tried like, okay, so this is my big problem with the ending. So, thematically, I guess it makes sense because he kind of plays on the idea that, oh, he, he mentions himself, he got too personally involved and couldn't disconnect his role from what he needed to do as his, for his job. Yeah, like, he, but, he straight up, like, uh, this, this is the point that, like, Spider-Man, the hate, Spider-Man hate was, like, getting real, and it was the death of uh, George Stacy. And he yeah, decides, like, and he decides, yeah, hey, it's my quest. I'm going to prove Spider-Man's innocence. Yeah, and then, okay. So as, as Dead called it, the uh, most famous fridging in comic book history happens. And uh, the main character takes it so personally. He's like, you didn't save her! You are singularly responsible for my... An existential doom because you didn't do the one thing I wanted you to do. You failed this one time. Yeah, and he, he built up. Like Gwen Stacy ended up like getting roped into like his basic idolization of the heroes. Yeah, like and he he treated and this is a point that Marvel has pointed out in recent years, particularly with uh, what is her, with uh, the Spider Gwen version of Gwen Stacy that like. He, you guys need to stop putting her on a pedestal and just mm. let her actually be a person. Yeah. But basically up until Spider-Gwen was a thing, Gwen Stacy was just like the most well-preserved fridging in comics history that people just had to keep referencing over and over again. Yeah. And beyond the fact that, and just beyond the fact that just in general, I was sick of it even before I read this. Mm. This, so th everything else up to this point has felt like, kind of like broad and like talking about the universe as a whole, generally speaking, or cosmic level stuff. So it doesn't feel so specific and personal. Yeah. This one thing feels way too much. Like they're focusing on one character's personal story way too much. And I don't think it fits. 
Yeah, no, it doesn't. Like, like I'm actually just going through it now. Like when Namor's army was like, cur- like going through New York, and it's just this like weird glamour shots of Gwen Stacy. Just oh, look at the wings, oh, it's so beautiful. And it turns that entire thing just into. She just fe- it, it turns this one character into a representation of every innocent person that superheroes fail to save. Which right, Gwen Stacy does not deserve uh, to have that put on her. No, that's nothing. Nothing against Gwen Stacy. Like this isn't me saying I, like ah Gwen Stacy she's too fucking dirty. No, she just she was a she was a character who got killed off for bullshit reasons and. Marvel has tried, well, people within Marvel have tried to, like, do right, I guess, by her, by making her an actual character. Mm-hmm. But with this, it just, it's it's turning her into this fucking symbol. Right. That is, that is only, mar- that only, ex- yeah, that only exists to then further fridge more people. I... I can yeah I, I I agree with what you guys are saying, but I I, I can all I I also somewhat appreciate that he at least tried to take it from a a different angle with with at least the reporter. I don't like that it's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for the reporter that he got so frustrated off of this one specific incident. So it's not just everything else that we've already witnessed through Marvel with the death of Gwen Stacy, but now it's also the reason why he possibly like quit this whole thing by the end. So that, that part I don't love, but I appreciate that at least him attempting to have it a different angle where it's kind of like he had a moment with her outside of all this, like that we, that other people weren't aware of. And then he was like planning on, on writing uh, an article with this girl to basically help out Spider-Man. And then it kind of, you know, obviously that's not what happened. Right. So like, I, I like, I like how he got to that point more than the, than, than the resolution of her dying and how it affected the character. If that makes any sense. I don't know. I, 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 I get, I, I agree with what you guys are ultimately yeah, the, saying. The build, though, that it was, the build up was better than the ending, but like the build up, I still had the problem with, of just turning her into like the ultimate martyr. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like it because it's it's probably the reason. Like, it, it led to the point of him basically quitting yeah. there at the end, right? Yeah. And uh, having the meltdown that he did. Um, but but again, based off of his his experience with her, not I think. But yeah, yeah, but like you guys pointed out, it is it's it's that every superhero essentially this is the moment where they couldn't save somebody, and he had all the all this all his thoughts on heroes, and they let him down essentially. Like he was always the one to defend them. And then yeah. look what happened. Yeah, right? he'd, be, yeah. yeah he'd been so, there since the beginning. Right. There's something interesting there. It's just that. Oh, no, why there did it is. have to be it Gwen just, Stacy? Yeah, right. there, there is something yeah. very interesting there that they could have done more with. But then, yeah. but then it's just Gwen Stacy again. Like and then she stops. Worked, yeah, I right. feel like this would have worked better if it wasn't Gwen Stacy. Because, because by ha- making it be Gwen Sp- Stacy, you're playing into the fact that I almost feel like I need to go back and read Spider-Man comics from when Gwen Stacy was alive at this point, because basically everything written after her death has basically ignored who she is as a character and just focused on the fact that she's died. That's why she's kind of the ultimate example of fridging. Yeah. And just because of that, I have trouble. The moment it became clear that they were just using, again, Gwen Stacy's death as like the ultimate 
sense of betrayal that the heroes failed feels wrong to me because if you wanted to do the idea that like a beautiful innocent person was not saved by the heroes don't do it with a character whose death is one of the most known and talked about things in comics period yeah like 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 this situation needed a maggie like like the reason mm-hmm. the reason I think like Maggie worked better than if it had been like if it had been like oh hey here's like a fucking baby Spike or like a baby known X Men character mm-hmm. the reason the reason it worked because it was Maggie was because it was something detached like it was something connected enough to the situation that we can like connect it there but detached enough right. that we don't have expectations of it right and and yeah and and what because what we previously had talked about I, I, I'm just you know coming. Uh, come to the realization now like i i said that one of the best things about this is how how well he mixed everything together and you know uh, but this is definitely the most on the nose kind of expected turnout of what um of these events in the marvel universe like what we've come to expect of something like uh, with yeah, this well, I mean, like yeah so has been stuff that like we're familiar with in marvel yeah but the approach yeah. from a different angle Yep. But they basically, most of the issue was spent going through all of the obvious setup to, we know she's going to die. We yeah. know she's going to die. Yeah, she like, dies exactly how we expect her to die. Yeah, like, if they had to set this up as just, hey, he meets someone, some person that fulfills this same role. Because Gwen Stacy doesn't super work as, hey, she's the avatar for all the innocents in the world. Because unlike, just say, some random jobber, she is intrinsically connected to Spider-Man in the struggle against Green Goblin. Being like romantically attached to Spider-Man puts her much more in the situation than like an actual like just straight up innocent person is. So it doesn't super work on that angle and if they if it had been just some rando it also wouldn't have made things so much more personal because having having Gwen Stacy's death be a representation of the time every superhero failed every innocent person again doesn't really work that great because she mm-hmm. is like her being like she's she's too closely tied to one character so she doesn't feel like she's part of the whole universe exactly she's just part of peter's exactly she wasn't collateral damage caught up in some superhero fight that would lead to that would lead to like fucking phil like pulling his blinders off like lifting up the eye patch and then seeing the world through his all-seeing eye to go oh yeah these people are dangerous they like they need they are just people they will fuck up all the goddamn time uh yeah yeah Kurt Busiek could have had the same uh effect for his character here with using an unknown person in the same way that he could have you you know but instead he he used Gwen Stacy uh in this case right and uh yeah no you're right he could have used somebody that was totally detached that we just got to know through now, through uh the you know the story like we did with Phil right I don't want to ask this question because this is going to seem mean but. Mm-hmm. A lot of perspectives on this have led me to believe that, like, Alex Ross wanted to do this and Kurt Busiek was brought on to help him. So did did Alex just want to render Gwen Stacy's death in his art style and Kurt Busiek had to, as best he could, write the story around that? That feels entirely possible. Because like a, a lot of what I've re- I, I didn't I have to, I should look at the back part because they talk more about 
the process leading up to this book and the collected edition. But a lot of the promos I've seen for like subsequent media have suggested that like this was Alex Ross's idea and he came to Kurt Busiek to help him make it happen. Mm-hmm. And to the, for the most part, it really works. But this feels the most like Ross wanted to do iconic scenes from Marvel Comics in his art style. And Kurt was stuck trying to make it work within well, his story as best he could. Yeah, that sounds logical. And to your point, Bertie, uh, uh, Kurt Busiek in Astro City, it, like that's the whole like he does so many stories of like the nobodies that live in that city and how they look at superheroes around them and living in that. So like, so like, so like you know, like the everyman kind of thing. So like, essentially, like he could have easily did that with somebody like a new character in this, as opposed to using Gwen Stacy. So I don't want to say that it was Alex Ross, but I, I've read some Astro city and, and he's, he's so good at doing that kind of thing that he, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that he could have used somebody else than, than, than that character. Yeah, so I, in this yeah. situation. I, I feel, I don't, cause I love Alex. Nothing about, I've heard about Alex Ross would suggest he's bad either as a creator or as a person. So yeah, you know, he's just a comic, possible. like he's just a comic fan. And comic yeah, fans have also, a, an unfortunate obsession with Gwen Stacy's death. Yeah, that that's part of what I was thinking, and I hate that that thought's in my head because that's going to fester. I almost I don't want to ask that because I, I I don't know Alex Ross is not on Twitter, but I have of course spoken to Kurt Busiek a few times on Twitter. Yeah, but there's no way for me to ask that question that it's not going to sound mean. So. Oh yeah, that like this this is something that we will never be able to get the answer to because. These are people that we have no ill will against. We're not. We're not out there trying to fucking get them. And so we. No, so no, this, this is not. A, this is not a question that can be asked without sounding like an asshole. Yeah. Mm. And, and for reference, people at home, we did this because I wanted to do a Kurt Busiek episode, and we just picked one of his more famous books to do. And I still like that I read the book and I enjoyed the conversation we had about it. Yeah. It's just this one specific point is sticking with me more than I thought it would. Yeah, again, uh, we did we did not come at this as a way to like, you know, we gotta take Kurt Busiek down a peg. No, this is just a book that we this is just a well known book that we wanted to discuss. And despite all all that being said and our and our thoughts and like even me saying that I thought the ending was weaker than the other issues and in you know our, our, our discussion of the Gwen Stacy thing in this I, overall I loved this like yeah, I this, thought I did, despite yeah, the ending no, despite the ending I I still think it it's worth your time reading this like to anybody that hasn't like I I really really enjoyed this yeah. story yeah, yeah this was, was this was what I kind of love about Kurt Busiek as a writer of just the way he is able to build these stories that are so intrinsically connected to everything happening in these universes without it being directly connected to anything. Like it's one of the things I fucking yeah. love about Astro city. Like, it's like right. an image that like a, an idea within comics that Kurt Busiek wrote in Astro city that will always stick with me is the idea of like a justice league or equivalent call center. Mm-hmm. Just like a fucking massive switchboard of just people like taking calls for the Justice League, then figuring out if it is a Justice League level worry, and then right. and then like like routing them to the proper channels. Like that right. whole and fucking he, idea is the coolest shit to me. Right, and he would write an issue just about that person working at the call. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I mean. Like they, they the fact that he comes up with those type of ideas and he dedicate an issue to these other people that live in the city and like live around these heroes and stuff like that. That's what I mean. Like to, that's that's why it, it's totally totally plausible to think that 
the Gwen Stacy thing was more of like, I have to do a big story with this character because it's part of Marvel's history. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And whoever came up with the idea, whether it be him or Alex Ross, because, and yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a perfect example of that. What I was trying to say about like his Astro city stuff and, and how good he of a storyteller he is. Right. And uh, yeah, I, the, the ending didn't ruin it for me. It, I just wanted to make that very clear. I, yeah, I, I think end, this is very good. Yeah. The ending was rushed and kind of not great. Just having to deal with everything involved with it, but it doesn't, but doesn't detract from the rest of the story enough to actually ruin it no no yeah, no it almost it, it no. drops it to like a nine out of ten yeah like, like 4.5 out of five it's just like it's that one thing yeah that i can't let go of but i love reading the rest of this book it's just i'm sad that it had to end on a note that i think is kind of sour yeah is I'm glad I'm, I wasn't alone because when I just ended it, because like I said, it's the first time I've read it, I was like, oh, I was like, what the end? I was like, I was less so maybe bugged until maybe we kind of further t- broke it down here about the Gwen Stacy thing. But I just didn't like how he kind of just said, fuck it, and was just like, and then, and then like the next page is like, hey, here, you can take a picture yeah. of me because now I'm going to be with my family. <laughs> yeah. I was hey. like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, hey, assistant, take a picture of me when, with my wife and this random neighborhood child who will be one day be Ghost Rider. <laughs> right. Daddy yeah, catch. Okay. Right? I remember that. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, just yeah. out of fucking nowhere. Just, hey, I'm Daddy catch, sir. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that, that's why I was like, it kind of just left me like, I like flipped the page and there was like epilogue. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so then the epilogue. Right. It, yeah, this was whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is some time later. He is still retired. His daughters are more grown up. And then X Men happen. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's all really well drawn. It is written in a similar style to Marvel's, but doesn't have the same impact just because it kind of can't because it is a single issue told 25 years after the fucking story came out. And then it's just his daughters are eventually, they they get the same bug as their dad. Of just, hey, I saw this dope shit. I want to be a part of this for the rest of my goddamn life. And lastly, I want to briefly mention uh, Marvel's in Marvel's Eye of the Camera. This is a sequel-ish thing to Marvel's, also written by Kurt Busiek, but not drawn by Alex Ross. This one is drawn by um, Jay Anacleto. I probably mispronounced that name, and I apologize. He is not a bad artist, but he's not Alex Ross. No. And in this book, he is trying to be Alex Ross. Oh, yeah, that was about to ask. Like, does he actually try to mimic Alex? Because if that that's a mistake. It's, it's, it's like still in his style, but it's like colored and shaded, kind of like a Ross thing. It just, it's this very weird, it's this very weird art that doesn't really fit with the book. And especially reading it directly after reading Marvel's proper, it just comes off as super jarring. Yeah, I would, I would assume it would because, oh, that would. I guess I got I didn't read that. <laughs> yeah, the only thing of note that happens in that book is uh Maggie comes back and Phil oh. dies. I mean at at that point, why wouldn't he? Because if, if you're if you're doing a sequel to because the guy was already a grown man in the forties, so if you're doing a sequel to 
Marvels where he was already in like his 50s or 60s by the end of the book. That's the only thing really left for him to do because he'd already retired. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, like this book picks up and he's like, I made the wrong decision retiring. Mm-hmm. And then kind of gets so back. That, and then kind of gets back so into maybe, it. Sorry, I was about to say so maybe, so maybe maybe Kurt Busiek agrees with us, and he was like, "Wow, that ending sucked. Maybe I should try to fix that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like uh, another just, like, very weird thing about Eye of the Camera is like, it's like kind of with this book where like it doesn't ever tell you what time period it takes place in, but because of I just guess because kind of because of the artwork. I don't know where it takes place because it takes place during the events of Marvels. Oh, like like, that's like even more confusing. Yeah, like like there's a huge chunk of it that does take place like during Marvels, and then it takes place after he retires, where he gets fucking lung cancer, and then as he's dying in his hospital bed, fucking Maggie shows back up and is like, "Hey, using my goddamn super, using my goddamn powers, which we learned her power our X-ray vision." Woo. She stuck into a plane, then a boat, then a different plane, and then a car, and ended up in Papua New Guinea. Where she just hung out, examined people's stayed organs. Stayed away from the X-Men. Yep, stayed far the fuck away from those assholes. Uh, event, like fucking Red Phil's book. Because of some import shit, she got Phil's book in Papua New Guinea in the middle of a fucking jungle. Because she was with a local tribe and not just a Papua New Guinea city. I don't know if they're the city of Papua New Guinea. I don't know. I don't know anything about Papua New Guinea. Yeah, then she fucking comes back. The family's like, "Holy shit, you're not dead! Fuck, get over here! I love you." And then Phil dies right in front of them. It's honestly kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's- well, speaking of uh, bad X Men related to death, bad mutant related deaths, kind of reminds us me of uh, the death of Danny's dad from New Mutants. It's... Remember that dad? <sighs> dad oh, the movie. Uh, Danny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The movie. Just all right, sweetie. I'll be right back. Don't worry. <laughs> Just uh, literally the second he walks out of frame. Oh, that was funny. That movie was not good. Nope. But this comic book was very good. Yep. And we'll be returning to Kurt Busiek in the future. We we're gonna we're gonna. I, we, I have a list. Yes, Bertie has a list. <laughs> he is a he's a create he's a writer that we are very fond of, and we want to keep talking about his work because as much fun as we have ripping into Venom, <laughs> we like reading good books. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh I know Nico mentioned um Jason Aaron's Avengers run previously. <laughs> At some point we need to do a quick like a a what I what I'm calling a Jason Aaron intervention where we read his good book a good book of his. It's like, look, Jason, we love you. Stop doing this shit. Yeah, yeah. We we <laughs> just <laughs> we're here because we care about you and we we think you have a problem. 
you know, everybody unfortunately has something bad that they do in their career. <laughs> There's always that one, that one really, really bad book they wish they hadn't done. Right. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not ready to give him a complete pass on it. But at the same time, I'm well, like, no, I, because I, he, he, seems to, he seems to think Rob Liefeld's work from right, the 90s was something right. that needed to be brought back. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the fact, it's the fact that he's like going so hard into like, no, I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> he's doubling down folks yeah no i yeah he i've just i've said it on the show here before he he's like my favorite writer in comics so like um mainly because of what he was doing when i kind of broke like i got back into comics right and yeah. uh you know dead man's mentioned uh wolverine and x-men is one of my favorite things in that list yeah, right wolverine so, yeah. X-Men is I fucking liked, amazing um, yeah i like the uh redneck football crime book he wrote until southern really, bastards that's not happening anymore yeah. Yeah, like yeah. But yeah, we we will be letting you guys know what we're going to be doing when we do it. However, if you the folks at home have a book you want us to break down like this, you can head on over to streamlabs.com/desktoprods and give us 10 bucks or more and we'll be able to do a book for you. There you go. Tell us what to read. Yes. But you have to pay us because you'll you'll make us read shit. Absolutely. I I know how this works. It's happened once. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, hey, here's ten bucks. You should watch my. You should watch my girlfriend's a gal. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair though, uh, and this came up also, Nico, in the last podcast we did, uh, mm. came that Dead and I did. Don't pick Titans because Dead's just going to subject us to Titans until it's over. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I said in God, as I said in King Kong vs Godzilla. We will stop doing Titans when either Titan dies or we die. Uh, no. <laughs> That's the only way this ends. It's funny. I mentioned it the other day and uh, somebody was uh, said, uh, oh, uh, but Red Hood's going to be in this. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, That's not a selling point. <laughs> yeah, That's just going to make it worse. Well, plus, plus, I've seen no proof that they're gonna have like it. He'd be Red Hood post uh, uh, d- death of the family or under the Red Hood. So yeah, he's no, just he's just Red Hood. Red Hood. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna decide. Yeah, I'm done being Robin. I'm too old for it now. Now I'm the Red Hood. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm an asshole with a Red Hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like, hey guys, I have a gun uh, now. Yeah, combine that with uh, Commissioner Barbara Gordon, who's apparently fixing her father's mistakes at the GCPD, and the fact that they're apparently moving to Gotham while still also doing shit with Starfire and including Scarecrow. I'm like, oh my god, no, stop! So wait, they're they're doing Commissioner Barbara Gordon. Yes, that's that's what they've been. Oh god damn it! Then that means there is a non-zero chance that she fucked Batman. Well, it's like Dark Knight, essentially. Then isn't it like something like that? Like a Dark Knight? Uh, well, no, that's a different commissioner. Never mind. Yeah, no, this is this is some Bruce Tim shit. Yeah, this is Batman ah. Beyond, motherfucker. When, when yeah. Barbara Gordon became commissioner in that, and that was the time. That was the first. That was the breaking of the levy of Bar- of Barbara fucking Bruce. And no, that needs to stop. That can't be a thing. And oh god! And now in my head, it's like, oh, that's the reason she and Dick broke up because Dick found out about her and Bruce the one time. I'm like, oh my god, no! Don't do it! Don't do it! You fuckers! You're gonna fucking do it. 
They're going to fucking do it, man. They're, they're dumbasses. They can't not write the worst story. <laughs> no, actually. At this point, the, all, this, I, all I want is more of uh, Blackfire spitting gum in people's ears <laughs> to control them at this point. Yeah, just, just a, just a, just a cl- clumped up wad of grape flavor Big Lee Chew. But I'm just imagining now. Like, like season three will do death in the family, but instead of it being like an actual real thing, what it's going to be is just like a bullet ricochets and fucking hits God and hits fucking Jason on the side of the head. And everyone's like, Oh God, he's dead. The next episode he's back. Hey, what's up from red hood? Well, I mean, yeah. Cause they, they're also going to bring back uh, wonder girl after she died from a brief tasing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, it's like, Oh no circus level electronics. What'll I do? <laughs> my one weakness <laughs> how did you know yes. a generator from walmart could take me out i i'm so looking forward to this to <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, honestly this conversation is more fun than the show is gonna be that's always the case <laughs> that's always the case we, we make fun we make our yeah think about it this way Nico. there'll be one good episode and there will be one that's such trash that yeah. we have a good time, and the rest will be boring as shit. That's yeah. usually how it goes. But like, that's even, how it's gone. But like, even, but like, it's been an escalation every season. Like with the first season, the good episode was pretty good, but was still kind of shit. With in the second season, the good episode was just good. Like there wasn't any, right. there wasn't any like real shit about it <laughs> because the Titans weren't involved in it at all. <laughs> meaning, meaning the net, meaning of season three, the good episode will be the best episode of DC TV written in the last five years, and then the and then the worst episode will will be like just this black hole. Like the commentary track is going to be a flat line. It'll be it'll be nothing but go, it'll be nothing but Batusi. <laughs> oh God, no, that would be too good. That would be interesting. The worst episode will just be like two people sitting in a room eating a bowl, like eating a bowl, like plain cornflakes. Well, no, that was my point. Like we're going to have a good episode that is like good and a trash episode. That's entertainingly bad. The yeah. rest are going to be the cornflakes shit. You're yeah. About. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's good. That's going to be like, even among those episodes, there was a hierarchy. Yeah, just boring, yeah, but- boring fucking episode. It's, it's going to be a fucking downward spiral that we occasionally get electrocuted in. As yeah. long as the team somehow all comes together in this world. Well, they can't because they've all left. Okay, Raven, well. Raven, yeah, they- Raven took, Raven took um, uh, Wonder Girl's corpse oh, to God. Themyscira because she... <laughs> Because she she's gonna she's gonna master her reality altering powers to bring her back as Troya instead of Donna Troy because apparently they want to make that weird bit of adding to the choose your own adventure book that is Donna Troy's backstory add to this. Um, <laughs> and you know how Jason empaths Todd's can bring the left. people back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Jason Todd's fucked off to go be edgy somewhere. Yeah, until something's gonna make him say, you know, I want to be more red because you know, you know, Dick's blue, so I should be red. That's that's the re- that's what I should be. I should be red. Yeah, he watched a lot of anime and picked up on the red oni blue oni stuff. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, fucking Dick, out of goddamn nowhere, became a new superhero and like I guess reconciled with his own past and became less of a dick, but um, Tish. Yeah. 
and he, he he's going to use his magic uh, kill people sword to save people because he's already killed Deathstroke. So he knows that he can kill anyone with the sword, so he'll just keep using it for that purpose and just say, no, I'm not killing people, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, he he and Dove are going to be ripping people's throats out, being like, what's, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? We're fine, man. We're saving people. And actually, that just... Well, like, yeah, I mean, they kind of made me realize something. So, like, with the escalation, so from season one to season two, Brenton Thwaites, the actor who plays Dick, managed to find his personality a bit. It was under the sofa. A little, yeah. Which means in season three, if <laughs> if the pattern follows, Dick's going to be a character. I wouldn't be against that if he actually has somewhat of a personality. Here's another thing, like, they seem to have set up that they might actually finally do something with Starfire. The yeah. question is whether they are actually going to do something right. with Starfire. And she's not going to have a or side if, story. Uh, Blackfire's, or if Blackfire is going to become like um, uh, Raven's dad from yeah. season two, where they kill her <laughs> in the first episode, and then it's all about Scarecrow. Yeah. Because apparently they're really pushing Scarecrow for this season. <laughs> You mean she's not going to be a detective again in this one? Like <laughs> no, she was no, no. Like, she, she, she was never a detective long enough for that to matter. Now they might keep her black exploitation element because oh, they still think that's funny. Yeah, but. no, no. Like it, start, it started out as Jackie Brown, then went into like some like eighty yeah. shit, and now they're gonna, now they're gonna and now a scarecrow. They're gonna move into Blackula. Yeah, she's gonna show off. Uh, she's gonna show up as Shaft in this one. <laughs> <laughs> she's one <laughs> bad <laughs> mother. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh god. Well, who knows? Maybe this season Starfire well, why will actually did you be Starfire. Do this to us, Dad? Because I feed on your us? suffering. Schadenfreude is my second favorite food behind pizzas. That's the canon now. We're but we're suffering as well. I am aware. I I get off on it. I guess I don't know. The worst part is like all these other seasons, all these other shows, there's no new season in sight and like that we haven't done. And this one just keeps going. <laughs> You're just like, Come on. <laughs> and hey, we still have Doom Patrol kicking around. Yeah, Doom Patrol is still a thing. Until, have they, con- until have they confirmed? Uh, Doom Patrol is getting a second season. A third. Okay. Oh, third season. Yeah, third they, they are getting a third yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we could, uh, Harley we, Quinn is pretty good, and that's getting a third season. We could do Star Girl. Uh, yeah, Star Girl is very much like a six out of ten, seven out of ten thing. Uh, the ending picks the things weird. up a lot. The ending mm. picks things up a lot, except for the message of the supervillains. Yeah, like they're yeah. That... Is, there's this weird. I don't want to spoil it for Nico in case he hasn't seen it, but there's a weird like concert like alt right alt right. Uh, fever dream message of the supervillains in the yeah. Just, oh also, also kind of also kind of continuing the Greg Berlanti theme. These heroes are just super down to murder. <laughs> I yeah, don't know what it is. Theme. I do not know why Greg Berlanti is just really cool with like, hey, you know, you know those heroes you love. Guess what? They killed someone now. <laughs> anyway, that's gonna do it for today. God, that was. I didn't realize we had that much Titans hate left in us. <laughs> the hate never dies, Birdie. It just grows. <laughs> Haven't you learned this by now? Yeah. If you, if you want to hear more of that, check out, uh, what is it? Felling both Titans? Or- <laughs> yep. yeah. Check out, yeah. check out yeah. both Yep. Or wherever podcasts are available. We, there you go. 
Oh boy, we we suffered. Oh boy, ooh, daddy. <laughs> yeah. I I just want more people to know about truck kun, dead man. Is that so bad? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the best character in ever the best character in the first in every season of Titan is Truck Chan. <laughs> we need to, we need to get rid of the old dove somehow. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just the fucking, just like the fucking pinball springboard launching that van into them. <laughs> <laughs> that whole that sequence might have been my favorite part of that entire first season. <laughs> like Doom Patrol was a great episode, the the best episode overall. But like, fuck, man. Yeah, it never well, reached. One, we, it never reached the highs of Ricochet Van. We needed that moment because that episode in particular was god awful because that was where they were dealing with the the, the pedophilia shit. Yeah, and we so needed something that was like enjoyably stupid, not unpleasantly stupid. And that was one of the episodes that Jeff Johns wrote himself. So I was like, "Fuck you, Jeff." <laughs> <laughs> do you think he knows? Do you think he knows he's working on dog shit and like just injected that because he felt like he needed it? I don't know. Maybe. I have I have to hope. I I have to hope. I have to pray. I need I need something in this goddamn world of DC television. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Contribute to the Patreon so Dead can buy out a part of the DC universe uh, along with the internet. Let's see if you see that stupid shit. Yeah. Anyway, thank God for joining us. We'll be back at some point in the future with another book. Will it be good? Will it be bad? Who knows? Hopefully good. <laughs> yeah, hopefully good. But if you contribute some money to the, to the stream labs of Patreon, give us money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best at this. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we have other stuff coming out. We got po- We got podcasts, other things. We got commentary tracks leading up to the release of Godzilla vs. Kong. We got a new X and Y with me and Cave, hopefully this week. We got all kinds of shit. But until that stuff, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. Dead, 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 dead. <laughs> I'm Nico. <laughs> if I wasn't so worried about copyright, I would include that music as the outro. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>